Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to the Knoll Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne McGahey III, Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. With me, as always, is my partner, Kurt Weiler, also of the Tallahassee Democrat. And I apologize if I go into a fit of coughing. I'm still under the weather from last week. It's been a rough week, um, but not for Florida State. Uh, Florida State <clears throat> got to five wins with a win over Boston College this weekend, basically assuring themselves of a uh, a bowl game with um, Alabama State coming up this weekend. We're not going to focus on that game a lot because Florida State should win that game by 50. Um, but... You know, coming out, we were both, Kurt and I were very concerned about the way Florida State would respond to, uh, you know, to everything that happened. Willie Taggart getting fired, you know, Odell being named the interim, Marvin Wilson going down for the season, just how Florida State would respond. They responded well and came out with a, a pretty big, big victory for the program. Kurt, just what are your initial thoughts after, you know, watching that game? I mean... We, we both talked about in previewing the game, like the, the in the paper the day of the game, how this felt like a worst game at the worst time type thing, where, I mean, in a situation where you saw the team kind of wavering in, in potentially quitting in the, final, in the final minutes of the Miami game, really for the first time all season, I think, that then going up against this Boston College team that was just going to test your resolve and try and pound the ball and try and out-physical you. And, I mean, it, it, it felt like uh, uh, the, about the worst possible time for this BC game, just in terms of testing a team that it felt like you didn't know how much they had left, especially kind of with the emotional week they had. And it's truly a credit to this team. And I, 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 I think we would agree, although he might not, he might not, a credit to Odell Hagan. The, the rallying effort of what we saw. I mean, we saw an offense that, yes, Boston College's defense is bad, but we saw an offense that was felt like it was truly untethered for the first time in, what, in months? I mean, we saw glimpses of what kind of what they looked like Saturday early in the season, but we hadn't lately. And, and we saw a defense that... A.J. Dillon had 165 yards, sure. He had to run the ball 40 times to get there. He had he averaged just over four yards a carry and never really broke the run that he kind of – you've seen him do in the past. I mean, especially two years ago at Boston College in kind of a, a similar situation when Florida State lost 35-3. to it, it, uh, I, it was a win that I don't think either of us saw coming. And we knew Boston College had their problems, but I just don't think so. It's a credit to this team that they, I mean, went up there and did that. Yeah, um, you know, Florida State's offense, going back to to your point on that, it looked like they, they opened some things up. We saw Jordan Travis for the first time all season, and, you know, three carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Longest touchdown by a Florida State quarterback ever, right? In yes. And I, I honestly don't understand what to think. Maybe he's just a gamer or something because – 
literally nothing that I've heard out of practice all year long led me to believe that he would have been able to do this. Like, it, it, it's I, it, it's kind of crazy, you know. And we knew he was we knew he was athletic, but I didn't think that he had run away from literally everyone on the defense speed. And that's what he showed on that second touchdown run, which went for 66 yards. The first touchdown run, he made a couple guys miss, danced around the side, you know, danced around the sideline, and uh, and scored from 26 yards out. So, you know, I, I was extremely impressed. Uh, we did not get to see him throw the football, and I, I you know, that that is going to be a major concern uh, for him because he doesn't have the best arm. But I was very impressed by what I saw from his legs, and you know. <clears throat> Going with that, it really did, like, Kendall Bryles opened some things up. I really liked some of the things that he did. One of the plays that stuck out to me was the little, just a slip of the uh, of Cam McDonald. You know, he was blocking, then he slipped out. You know, it, Blackman hit him. It went for, like, 24 yards, I think. Yeah, 24 yards. Uh, it was just a really, really nice play call. Took advantage of Boston College trying to get after him. And, you know, it was something that we hadn't really seen all year. And then, you know, the Jordan Travis and just the way that Florida State ran the offense. James Blackman looked a lot more comfortable. It was, you know, it was quite interesting to see the way Florida State's offense ran when uh, Kendall Bryles had complete control. And after the game, Odell Hagan said, you know, I told Kendall, you know, make your choice. Run your offense. I'll support you. And he did that unprompted. And he did it twice. Which to me makes it very clear, you know, that uh, that wasn't the case prior prior to. Because if he said it twice, you know, in the in in the post game press conference where Odell Higgins doesn't say a lot, he said it twice unprompted. And it was it was about like a question about Jordan Travis? Yes. So I mean, it, Odell Higgins took the high road and has taken the high road a lot. That felt like one moment where maybe he was he. I don't know if he slipped in that or he just he wanted to make things clear. But he's taken the high road a lot, and I think I agree with you. That was definitely a moment where there was maybe a little shade being thrown. There was a shot across the bow. That's that's what it yeah. was. Um, you and know, honestly, given Florida State wouldn't have averaged over nine yards of play against a lot of teams in the schedule. Boston College's defense is quite bad, but. So is, I mean, Syracuse's wasn't great. NC State's wasn't great. You don't want to overreact too much to one game, but there, I think there's there's definitely a little bit, at the very least, of confirmation of that it, it was not all, and we we know that, like we we found out, but it, it kind of confirms what an untethered kind of Kendall Bryles offense can look like, especially against bad defenses. Yeah, man, like it was. Um... <laughs> the offense like hit big play after big play. It was, you know, it was really fun to watch this offense go. And I'm going back and looking through right now. We haven't even mentioned the, the DJ Matthews flu game. Yeah. You know, DJ, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, so much has been made of his athleticism and rightfully so. I don't think we've ever seen it in a play in his career more than that touchdown. I mean, the, the, he pulled the same move twice to go middle of the field to the sideline and dove into the end zone literally from the six-yard line. He left 18 feet into the pylon. Do you want to know when the last time Florida State averaged over nine yards of play was? I tweeted it. Did you? Yes. Syracuse 2013. Yes, I tweeted that after the game. Yeah, I mean, and again, 
this Boston College defense is bad. But... Yeah, but they played a lot of bad defenses in that time frame, and yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, with we'll, we'll get into the coaching search stuff, and obviously, we, we'll, it'll be tough to tell, depending on who the coach is, they might have their own people they want to bring, but keeping Kendall Bryles, I would say, should be a priority for Florida State, unless whoever they, they land has an offensive coordinator who they just insist on bringing themselves. Yeah, um, you know, keeping Kendall Bryles is a good way to lure De'Eric King from Houston. Yes, um, you know, a good way to make your offense a lot better next year. Yes, very much so. Um, you know, you, you still do have James Blackman, and that was arguably James the best game James Blackman has ever played. Um, you know, he hit some really big balls. Outside of two first, uh, first drive passes that he missed, James Blackman was on point. You know, he missed, uh, I think, six passes, or he was uh, 18 for 26. Okay, so he missed eight passes. Three of those were drops. Two of those were misses on the first drive. You know, he was uh, he w- he was really on point on Saturday. The throw that he made to Terry was phenomenal, and he did it with pressure in his face. You know, he stepped up into pressure and delivered a perfect ball, and you know, credit to him for being able to come back after being benched in favor for Alex Hornerbrook and being able to step up and uh, and deliver when Florida State needed it in a game that Florida State absolutely had to win for the program, for Odell Higgins, for each other. Um, credit to him for doing that. It, it, I, I thought Odell said it best in the post-game interview he did with ESPN where he said, I challenged James Blackman to grow up today. He grew up today. And I mean, it's true. And we mentioned Eric King. It is quite possible James Blackman is not the starter here next year. It's quite possible James Blackman is not here next year. But I'm not sure. In fact, dare I say, I don't think Florida State gets bowl eligible without James Blackman and what he did Saturday. So, I mean, tip of the cap to him. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, Blackman hit a number of big throws. Um, that Al Thornbrook would not have made. Yes, I agree. Um, He's physically incapable. Yeah, but... Um, you know, it, we, we, we discussed the offense. You know, we, we talked about the defense. You know, Boston College ran 64 times for 281 yards, um, averaged 4.6 yards per carry, uh, sack adjusted. You know, they, they basically, it, it was it was weird to watch. And I thought Steve Adazio and, and Boston College did a really poor job of play calling. Boston College was getting whatever they wanted on the ground. They were kind of pushing Florida State's defense around, and then they would inexplicably throw the ball. Like, they threw the ball 29 times. No. Why? They ran a a lot more plays than FSU, but still, yes. Why is he, Dennis Grossell, who did some things well, moved the ball well on the ground, made a couple throws, but is not an exceptional quarterback? Why is he throwing the ball 29 times? It, it, it does not make sense. And I, I agree. I mean, Florida State did well to never really give up the big, big run. But they were pretty steady getting getting gouged. And, and it, it felt like if they had committed to that a little more, they might not have – BC might not have fallen in that 10-point hole that really set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah. I mean, Florida State's defense did a really good job of getting stops when they needed to. They got stops, um, you know, and forced a couple missed field goals – 
It was, you know, Stanford Samuels played a whale of a game. Hampson Nasruddin played an incredible game. 22 tackles, third most tackles in Florida State program history. First time since 1968 someone's had uh, more than, or, or someone's had that many tackles in a game. So it was um, it was truly an impressive performance from Hampson. Amari Gaynor uh, got pushed around a little bit in the run game, as you would expect for a linebacker like that. You know, that's not really his game. But he ended up with 12 tackles. He stuck his nose in there. He was physical. And, you know, without Marvin, the defensive line, you know, it kind of struggled a little bit. But uh, they, you know, they stepped up when they needed to. They got stops when they needed to. And it wasn't, I mean, the defense didn't play great, but it did enough. And I, 31 points isn't, you know, isn't great, but they also played prevent defense. It was 24 before, um, you know, before a minute left in the game when Florida State tried to play prevent defense against a guy, you know, against a, uh, a quarterback that hasn't shown the ability to push the ball down the field. And they hadn't made really any big plays in the passing game prior to that point. And uh, they played prevent defense, which is my only, you know, issue with what uh, what Barnett and and the defensive staff did uh, on Saturday was that they played prevent defense and allowed Boston College a chance to get back and maybe even tie the game if they'd gotten that onside kick. They didn't. Florida State ended at the game, picked up a big win, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, special teams continue. You know, just to completely round out and talk about all three phases of the game, special teams continues to be a disaster. Uh, Isaiah Bolden returned, you know, three kicks. Uh, two of them were very, very good. Um, and uh, so that that was a nice surprise. Uh, he hadn't returned a kick all season. You know, he'd been behind, but injuries and stuff like that, it had changed the way that uh, Florida State had to do that. But Tommy Martin continues to just uh, be, be awful. Um, you know, after starting out really, really well when taking over for Logan Tyler, he is just come uh, – it's – you know, he, he was a walk-on, it, but he started out really well, and now it's just bad. He averaged 26 yards a punt um, against Boston College. Ricky Aguayo made the only field goal he took, but um, it, it was Florida State's special teams continues to put Florida State in a hole, and that that's something that's got to be fixed. Uh, we'll see. You know, I know Florida State's going to have to bring in a punter this year. Um, they don't have one committed yet, but we'll have to wait and see how uh, how that goes with uh, with a new coach but there's there's a segue special teams into coaching search how you how you like that Kurt it works all right so um <clears throat> coaching search Bob Stoops right Bob Stoops is still the the main main target for Florida State sources have, have told us that uh, you know negotiations have been ongoing throughout the week. We'll have to wait and see, you know, to see if that uh, anything comes of that. But Bob Stoops remains the top target, despite him saying that he's not a candidate. He is a candidate. There have been talks, according to uh, according to sources. So, you know, Bob Stoops remains the top target for Florida State. Um, if Florida State doesn't land, um, doesn't land. Stoops, the the three names that I've I've heard the most um, when talking to people are PJ Fleck, despite the contract that he just signed, which goes into effect, uh, I believe in December sometime. Um, Matt Campbell of Iowa State and um, Mike Norvell of Memphis. Those are the three names that I've heard the most in regards to you know uh, Florida State's coaching search outside of Bob Stoops. So <clears throat> I would, um, you know, I. I with with Florida State's coaching, um, 
the search firm that they hired, Florida State's going through all the options in case they don't land Bob Stoops. But if they if they don't, I would expect those three names to be at the very, very top of the board. I do believe, I think, so Fleck signed the new deal. I think there might be less of a buyout now. Uh, um, no, it jumps from $4 million to $10 million in 2020. But that's not a problem for this now. Yeah, no. If, if, if Florida State hired him, yeah. Which, I will say... I was going to say credit to his agent for getting that deal done before this weekend where I think most people expected them to loss, to lose, and then look at what they did at home against Penn State. I mean, his his uh, star continues to rise. Obviously, Matt Campbell, the right call going for two, nearly pulling off that upset. He's, I mean, I think Matt Campbell's a, a great name here because you look at his sustained success. I think a big problem people had with Willie Taggart was he'd only had one year at a – Power Five program in, at Oregon before FSU. Matt Campbell is in his fourth year at Iowa State and is really going to put together his third consecutive very good year at a place where that's not especially easy to do, like Iowa State, recruiting wise and competition wise, just all of that. I mean, it's it, it's I think even if it's not maybe as big a name as some people may expect for Florida State, I think. That is a big counter to one of the things that people, one of the few problems people really had with Willie Taggart with making that hire. Bob Stoops is and remains, I mean, the top target, and rightfully so. The question becomes, with David Coburn saying time and time again they want to have this done by the end of the month, what is kind of the time or date when you maybe have to be like, I just don't know if we're going to get this to work. I mean, if you want to get this done by the end of the month, and obviously they are, they're not all in on Bob. They are, as you said, looking at the other guys. But when do you maybe accept and prioritize, we need to get this done over, we need to hold out on the off chance that maybe he wants to do this when there are plenty of reasons why he wouldn't, even if talks are going on. So you just, you got to, got to weigh all that. And it's a, it's a tough question. Yeah, this is a really tough uh, situation for Florida State to be in. They absolutely have to nail this hire. They can't afford not to, and they're going to have to pony up. Um, you know, we've, we've discussed the finances here before. You know, Florida State's going to pay Willie Taggart about $18 million. And when it comes to, you know, removing the coaching staff, that could go up to $22, 23000000 million. If they keep, a, you know, maybe Kendall Bryles and – um, a couple of the other coaches, maybe like Randy Clements, um, who you know is uh, is tied to Kendall Bryles, Odell Higgins, um, and then you know maybe like a Ron Dugans or something. Um, you know the, the buyout gets significantly less. Most uh, most of Florida State's coaches are coming up on the end of their uh, the end of their contracts anyway. Most of them signed a two year deal. I believe it's only Harlan Barnett who still who signed a, a three year deal. Kendall Bryles, Randy Clements, and Ron Dugans that um, deals are left on the board at the end of this season. So <clears throat> we'll have to wait and see on that. But you're and, also and three of those four, I would say, are coaches you'd be more inclined to keep pending the, the next coach not having somebody. I think Bryles, Clements, and Dugans are three you'd be who you'd lean towards keeping anyways. The only one of those not is probably Harlan Barnett. Yeah. Um and then Odell Higgins comes with the house, so you know, yes. yeah, you know that that's his house. You're just living in it. Um, so if as long as Odell wants to keep coaching, um, Odell is going to keep coaching. We'll have to wait and see, you know, to see if he if he does want to continue coaching after this year. Um, 
he's only, I mean, he got started so young, he's only a couple years away from the full pension. Yes, he is. Um, but that's like four or so years, so I would imagine so, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But uh, the, um, you know, so th- those those four names, I think, are where Florida State stands. It's Bob Stoops at the very top, and then you've got P.J. Fleck, Mike Norvell, and uh, Matt Campbell. Um as far as the the next three targets, in no order, um, I should say that those those there's no order for those three at this point. Um, we'll have to wait and see. And you're right, you know there has to be a a drop dead point for Florida State. Be like, all right, we're not getting this done. We're too far apart. Let's move on and um, you know try and find somebody else. So we'll have to wait and see if that happens. But we're going to uh, move on at this point. And we're going to discuss some Florida State basketball. Um, Florida State dropped their season opener to Pitt in a game that was riddled with fouls. Pitt shot uh, 16 more free throws than Florida State did, one by by two. So, you know, that was that. And then had to go in and play the number, uh, number six team in the country on the road, you know, after that. And then just completely walloped them. I didn't get to see the game. I was on my flight back from Boston, but Kurt was there. He saw it. What happened? I, I mean, it, it, it just felt like a team that just had, that has had and, and continues to have another team's number lately. I mean, FSU wins its sixth straight over the Florida Gators. That's twice as long as any like previous winning streak they've had over UF. Obviously, Historically, if you look at titles, things like that, UF, the better basketball program. But it's hard to argue. It feels like Leonard Hamilton is Mike White's number. He's beaten him. I think this is White's fifth year at Florida, and he's beaten him all five times now. It's uh, I mean, Leonard Hamilton talked to me about, when I talked to him Friday before the game, about how he thinks this is the best shooting Florida team he's ever seen. That may be true. It was not the case Sunday. Florida shot 18% from three and 28% from the floor. You really saw, and some of that was missing open shots. Obviously, there's always going to be a factor of luck involved with that. But Florida State also defended out of its minds. Florida State, I mean, Florida State, they, they got a lot of deflections. They contested shots. It was real buy-in, and it felt like afterwards talking to Leonard Hamilton, a win he was very proud of for a young team that has seized a lot of players stepping into much bigger roles. And they're a team that went through a lot. I mean, on top of the stuff we've we've known with a lot of preseason injuries to what? To Raekwon Evans, a JUCO point guard transfer, Dominic Oleznijak, who debuted against Florida, MJ Walker and Devin Vassell, two starters missed time. Uh, Patrick Williams has been dealing with Achilles inflammation uh, Balsa. Trent Forrest had a virus this week and barely practiced. The uh, player apartments flooded, and some of the players have been living out of hotels. It's it. Coach Hamilton Leonard talked to me this week about you know there are just times we go through this and we just need to push through. I think this is great for this young team, and I think you saw a team really grow up. Sunday, and I think you saw the ceiling for this team after a, a pit loss that I think by the end of the season is is going to be, dare I say, a pretty bad one. Pitt turned around and lost to Nickel State. Obviously, with a young team, there's going to be some roller coasters, some ups, ups and downs, but I mean, you saw Devin Vassell, you saw 
Trent Forrest, even when he barely practiced this week. You saw Malik Osborne, who the Rice transfer who got moved inside after he really worked outside on the perimeter with the guards for most of the preseason. Injuries have kind of forced him inside, and he rose to the occasion and really went up against them very well. I mean, they held Kerry Blackshear, the SEC preseason player of the year, Virginia Tech transfer, who they're familiar with. They held him without a field goal. He had 10 points all at the free throw line. And they, they shut down their two five-star true freshmen. It was just, I, I, I mean, it, it was a, a dominant win. I don't think Florida State will be ranked when the rankings come out later today just because that pit loss is not great, even if it was on the road. But it kind of confirms that I think what me and you both thought coming into the year of this is probably that four-straight tournament team. Absolutely. And, you know, something – I saw it after the game. Um, I'm sure, you know, you, you saw it as well. But, you know, the, the Florida State-Florida is a rivalry that, you know, crosses all boundaries and all sports. And if you think that the basketball team doesn't care about it, they very much do. You could watch the uh, – you know, the <clears throat> the locker room video where Trent Forrest is getting after it. But Trent Forrest clearly cares because he comes over at the end of the game, he takes the basketball, and he slams it down on the Gator head to just an exclamation point on Florida State's win, a 12-point victory for the Knolls. Um, you know, th- that's got to feel good for the Florida State program, and it clearly did. Um, and, yeah, I definitely think this is a tournament team. This team is going to be so much better by February than it is now, that it's not even going to be believable. Just with everything they've gone through, everything you've mentioned, six new players playing in a brand, you know, in a, in a system that they're not accustomed to, this team is going to continue to get better, and this team is going to be extremely dangerous when it comes to it. Um, so I'm 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 really looking forward to seeing how uh, <clears throat> how Florida State handles the rest of the year. First home game of the season coming up on Friday. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing the rest of, of this season play out and just how much better this team gets because this is going to be a team that pr- might take its lumps early, especially in the ACC, but they're going to continue to get better. And when postseason comes around, the NCAA tournament comes around, there isn't going to be a team in the country that wants to play the Knowles. Yeah, no, I, that's absolutely. I think you're right. There probably will be some head-scratching games. Maybe not head-scratching losses so much as games that probably shouldn't be as close as they are maybe in the non-conference. They're just games where they have down days, as young teams do, where they can they can play up one game and be very down the next game. But, yeah, no, the, the talent remains there. I, I tweeted it yesterday, and I think – I mean, I, I stand by it. I think it is quite possible Den Vassell is in his last year at Florida State. I think you've seen even – it's only two games – but all you've heard about him coming into the year and what he's shown in two games, I think it is quite possible he's on that Fiondu Cavagelli plan and gone after his sophomore season, which would obviously be a uh, a loss. But, I mean, it, it would mean that he has a major impact this season, really, across the board. I think we're expecting him to have Patrick Williams uh, had a very – I mean, he didn't, have a, he didn't have a massive impact, but going up against two Florida five-star freshmen, he looked like the best true freshman on the floor. I, I mean, it was. You see the potential from the team. You see the potential from individual players. It. I mean, it, they. Leonard Hamilton kind of played down the win streak. The players, not as much. That's to be expected. And he talked about how the first couple were close games, but Florida State's now won three in a row against Florida by double digits, and two of those were on the road against like top six Florida teams. Given 
rankings early in the season are weird, and Florida seems like a program that now almost, uh, you don't want to overreact to one game, but maybe gets some benefit of the doubt and over over is overrated in preseason polls. But I, I, it just, I mean, yeah, it was a, it was an impressive all around win. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to jump on the Devin Vassell train, I'm the conductor, the original, you know, I'm going to toot my own horn here because the summer before his freshman season, I was calling this. All right. Going to go ahead and I'm going to toot my own horn. Huh? You said he was going to be gone in two years. Man, I, I, I said he was going to be extremely impactful as a freshman, and he might be gone at the end of two years. I, I loved this kid coming out. He's fearless. He's been fearless since you know, since his first game. I talked with Leonard Hamilton um, prior to his first game at Florida State, and he said, you know, he's too young to know that he should be scared. Well. He's got all this experience, and he's still not scared. That's just who he is. Um, he's a guy, you know. He's a, he's a stone cold assassin. That's basically that's basically what he is. What how you can describe him when you need a basket, he's going to be the guy to go to. You know, this is Trent Forrest's team, but Devin Vassell is the guy that Florida State's going to turn to this year when they absolutely need it the most. Um, but. I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Knoll Sports Podcast. We've talked uh, Florida State BC. We talked coaching search. We talked some Florida State basketball. And we'll be back later in this week to, uh, <clears throat> you know, to talk probably a little more coaching search. We're not going to discuss the uh, Alabama State game very much because, like I said earlier, Florida State should win this game by about 40, 50 points um, and get bowl eligible. Uh, we might discuss some. Um, we might discuss some bowl destinations because I'm really not looking forward to going back to Shreveport, and I really don't want to go to Detroit either. So um, I'm going to be hoping and uh, you know trying to will Florida State to not either of those locations. But uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Knoll Sports Podcast. Make sure to stay tuned to Tallahassee.com and KnollSports.com for all of the latest Florida State updates. For Kurt Weiler, I'm Wayne McGahey. Have a wonderful day.